welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn, knitting, and other fun makery things. We are recording out of our shop, Scratch Supply Co., in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we are really excited to be here for our fourth episode. I'm Jessica. And I'm Karen. And we are going to start, before we tell you what we're talking about today, with a quick corrections corner. I'm sure it will not be our last corrections corner, but it is our first. So, in episode two... When we were talking about blocking, we mentioned a number of different fiber conditioners that you can use to clean and kind of soften your finished project. When we mentioned eucalyptus, we said that it needed to be rinsed, and a lovely listener emailed us to bring it to our attention and let us know that, in fact, you do not need to rinse eucalyptus out of your finished projects. It's been so many years since either of us had used that somehow we created a false memory of this. So (laughs) I have no idea if I just didn't read the bottle or that was what I was told in a shop at some point or what. But anyway, you don't have to rinse eucalyptus. It actually says no rinse right on the label. Sorry, eucalyptus. Yeah. So today we are here to talk about gifts and gift knits and gifts for knitters. (laughs) I love gift knits. I can remember the first time I had like a substantial gift as a knitter. I was given an interchangeable needle set at the holidays. I think Karen was instrumental in making sure that I got a nice needle set uh, from (laughs) Travis for the holidays. And I think I cried. It was amazing and a total game changer to have a really nice set of tools for myself. So coming into the holidays, there are two different categories of knitting-related gifts. There are the gifts that a knitter makes for someone else, your holiday knitting, and then there there are gifts that you can receive as a knitter or that you can give to your friend who is a knitter. So we're going to talk about both of those today. Jessica is going to start off by talking about gift knits, things that you can make for other people. So... At this point, you probably know that I love picking patterns, and today I have brought to the podcast my top three favorite quick knits for gift giving. So these are things that you could start now, a week, more than a week, into December, and conceivably have them done before the end of the year and available to give to whoever you think deserves it and is knitworthy. So the first pattern I would like to talk about is actually a pair of slippers. When I was a little girl, my meme would make handmade gifts for everyone in the family. There were a lot of wildly enormous crocheted afghans, and slippers were the other big gifts. She would wrap them up in newspaper, and that was totally what we got Like every year. You knew you were getting a new pair of slippers from Meme, and they were kind of wonky and lumpy, and everyone loved them, and everyone wore them. They had pom-poms at the toes, and were a little <laughs> crazy, and definitely were made with Red Heart Super Saver, and so your feet were a tiny bit sweaty, <laughs> but they were warm. I So, okay, this is one of my favorite little bits of knitting trivia, and I try to talk about it every chance I get, so we have to talk about pom-poms for a second. So, the reason that pom-poms are on hats is that, back in the day, Sailors on ships would get hand-knit hats, and because the overhead space in, in a ship is so low, they would hit their heads all the time. So the people who would make these hats for them before they would send them off to sea would knit a pom-pom and put it on the top as a kind of like a buffer against bashing their heads on whatever oh. piece of wood was overhead. 
And so in this context, one wonders, pom-poms on slippers, what that tradition is intended to help prevent you from doing. I don't know. I definitely (laughs) stubbed my toe really hard leaving the kitchen the other day, but I don't think toe pom-poms would have saved me from that (laughs) inevitable injury. (laughs) But they're cute. They're super cute. And the slippers I'm about to recommend to you do not have pom-poms mentioned in the pattern, (laughs) but I think you should get crazy with your yarn scraps and just do it anyways because they're adorable. I mean, you can always add pom-poms to literally anything. No one will stop you. Who can? No one. (laughs) So these slippers are the Harrisville slippers by Whitney Hayward. And you can knit them on straight needles. You can knit them on your circular needles. They're designed to be knit at like a super bulky gauge. Whitney Hayward was the, I think until very recently, like the in-house like lead designer for Harrisville, but has maybe moved on to pursue her fine arts career. Whitney, if that's not accurate, sorry, but I was told that recently by local knitters. And the yarn that she recommends in this pattern is either the Harrisville Nightshades or the Harrisville Highland, and you're holding two strands of that yarn together to achieve that super bulky gauge. It's knit on size 10 needles, and the size ranges available are for adult-sized feet, so it's not a little kid pattern, but from like a women's small through a men's large and the yardage is between 220 and 280 yards, but it's actually double that because you're holding your strands double. But it's not a huge amount of knitting. Like you could whip up a pair of these slippers in a very leisurely weekend or, you know, throughout the course of a week, you could get them done. So that would be a nice, nice gift for someone or for yourself if you have cold feet. (laughs) Okay. Moving on to gift knit pattern number two. The Antler Mittens by Tin Can Knits. I'm on a cable kick this winter. I think that I'm just like into the texture. I want nice stitch definition. And mittens are a great accessory or gift for people to receive. The Antler Mitten pattern takes between 70 to 200 yards of Aran weight yarn. So that's just heavy worsted, if you're not familiar with the term Aran weight. And the sizing for that pattern ranges from toddler through large adult hands. My favorite yarn to knit these mittens out of is the Extra from Blue Sky Fibers. It's a blend of merino and alpaca, and it's super soft. It's high twist and has really nice stitch definition, and the alpaca makes those mittens amazingly warm. So those are another lovely gift. And if you were to knit those and then find yourself with a little bit of extra time, there's also the Antler Hat by Tin Can Knits, which I think both of us knit for our dads for Christmas a couple of years ago because it's a really nice hat. Yeah, I totally underestimated the size of my dad's head, though. Oh, no. (laughs) And it was a tight hat. It was a, and that was my problem. (laughs) It's also a really good first cable project. If you are not usually a cable knitter, Tin Can Knits has a couple of different projects and patterns that they've done with this antler design. There's, I think, a cardigan, and there's a hat, and these mittens, and all of them have this same antler cable pattern on them. And what's nice about the pattern is that even if you're not super familiar with knitting cables, it's very easy to read these cables. You know, sort of the worst case scenario with cables is you get 
four inches into knitting something and you realize that two inches back you misread your cables and you twisted them the wrong way, it's really not possible to do that with this pattern. Yeah, the kind of staghorn, the the antler shape of the cables makes it very clear what direction your stitches are supposed to go in. Which is super nice. Absolutely. That was actually my first cabled project. I knit the antler cardigan and I still wear it. It's been a long time. That sweater is worn hard, but the cables look fantastic <laughs> to this day. The sleeves are now different colors at the cuff. But... <laughs> well, and the other thing too is I think this episode is going to be posting around the second week of December. And so if you're just thinking about casting on gift knits now, you don't really have a ton of time to be ripping back and fixing things like twisted cables. So it's nice to pick a project that is, I mean, no project is foolproof, but, <laughs> but you know, less fool bait than some other projects right. are. Definitely. Okay. And then my third gift knit recommendation is another cabled project. But I think that this will be fun. It'll be an entertaining project. It is pretty quick, even though it's knit um, with DK weight yarn. And it's the It's Winter Somewhere hat by Fatima Hines. And this hat is sized for baby through large adult heads. It takes between 140 and 280 yards of DK weight. And it's just super adorable. Like, it's a cute, cute hat. I like it a lot. It's got great cables, and it would look fantastic knit up in wool stock, which is a light worsted weight, and it really easily achieves DK weight gauge. It would look lovely knit with indie dyed yarn, like the Juicy DK from the Farmer's Daughter Fibers, or the Cecibon from Mitchell's Creations. Like, it's it's lovely and kind of looks fantastic in all sorts of yarns. Fatima's patterns are really fantastic. She does a lot of really interesting geometric and kind of architectural work in everything she does. Not necessarily recommended as gift knits just because they do take a little bit longer unless you started already or you're planning ahead. But she does some really great, I think her, her arrow, is it called broken arrow or is it called arrow? Oh, it's something arrow. We can, we'll put it in the show notes with the actual correct name. Which every time I see it, I'm just like, why have I not knit these for myself yet? And I don't know why I haven't knit them for myself yet. They're great. I, I'm just kind of obsessed with it. Definitely. So all that is to say, you still have time. There are patterns out there that you could knit and get done in time for holiday gift giving. And you know what? When you're handmaking gifts, it's okay if they're late. Oh, yeah. It's it totally like, um, is. <laughs> it's like house, not housewarming. It's like thank you notes. You get a year. This is going to be a little bit trickier this year when you're not necessarily in person with your whole extended family. But I have definitely done this before where I, I have wrapped up projects that are still on the needles on Christmas Eve, you know, and then they're under the tree. And as soon as the recipient unwraps them, I take them back and keep working on them. <laughs> like, oh, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. That's something that people do all the time. One, one mitten under the tree is a long-standing and solid tradition. <laughs> it's a promise of more mittens to come. <laughs> oh, so Karen, yes. what if you have a knitter in your life that you love and you would like to give them a knitting-related gift? So knitters are maybe 
the most appreciative of hand knit gifts out of anyone. So if you are thinking, I'd like to gift knit for somebody, and you have somebody who is a knitter, him or herself, that is always a really good idea because that person is really going to appreciate what you're presenting them with. But there's also all kinds of little like tools and fun things that knitters wouldn't necessarily buy for themselves, but that they kind of covet from afar. And this is the perfect opportunity to really make their day. So most of what I'm going to talk about, we sell in the store and we'll link it all mostly because almost everything that we love, we find a way to bring into the store. Oh, for sure. With a couple of exceptions. <laughs> So one of the things is the the Katrinkle's Darning Loom. That was new this year. It's super cute. If you're listening to this, you're probably aware that Visible Mending is really having a moment, whether that be patching your, your jeans or mending your sweaters. And the Katrinkle Darning Loom is really cute. And it, you know, it's it's little. And you could use it to either patch like the hole that your dog's toenails made in your sweater or the end of the cuff of your sweater that has really worn down over time. It's fixing super, your socks. Yeah. Yeah. Your so- Oh, your socks. So there is a couple in town. They talk about this a lot. She is a knitter and he is the darner. And so she will knit him socks and he will darn them when he inevitably walks through the toes or the heels or whatever. And I think that's really sweet. We've been talking a little bit about the sweater curse and about um, sort of gift knits gone wrong. Having somebody be willing to put in the effort to really take care of something that you've made for them is a surefire way to get you to want to keep making things for them. So if you are on the receiving end of this, keep that in mind. Another thing that would be good to give to a knitter in your life would be the flight of stitch markers. What that is, it's a little box with a bunch of tools of different kinds of stitch markers. I love the stitch markers from Coco Knits because they are low snaggy and they're kind of aesthetically pleasing to use. Like most of Coconut's stuff is really aesthetically pleasing to use. And the thing that's nice about this is that it's it's kind of like a, well, it is a flight. That's why they call it a flight of stitch markers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, when you when we used to be able to go out to restaurants and you get your little flight of margaritas or whatever, and you get to try all of the things and figure out what you like best. It's, I think, five different types of stitch markers in this box, and it's really cool. Another Coco Knits thing is the Maker's Keep. It's like a slap bracelet with a magnet on it. And so your knitters, but also your sewers, can like stick their stitch markers or their pins or Coco Knits has like a whole line of stuff like row counters and things that go with the Maker's Keep. The only thing I would say as far as keeping in mind whether this would be a good gift for your recipient or not is if there's somebody who wears like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or something on that wrist they're probably not going to get as much use out of this as you want them to, because that's just like a lot to have going on just on their hands. Can I tell you my favorite thing about the Maker's Keep? Yes. There's a secret ruler. Oh, yeah. I always forget about the secret ruler. On the inside of the slap bracelet, when you open it up, like there's little hash marks that measure out inches. So you can pop that off of your wrist and quickly measure to see if you're making any progress at all on the sock that you're knitting or whatever you're doing like it's a it's a nice little check-in tool for short expanses of fabric it's like the the last ditch thing you can do before you just straight up go get two inches tattooed on your like forearm or whatever so definitely coconuts does also have a new measuring tape out 
Measuring tapes are kind of all over. I think we probably have a dozen floating around between the store and the house. I don't know where any of them ever are. I would be really sad if I lost the coconuts one, though. It's shaped like a little pebble, and it's like a nice bright color, and it's just really nice to use. Definitely. It is a metal measuring tape, though. It's not, uh, like, fabric or nylon or something, so it's not flexible like a tailor's measuring tape is. So you can't wrap it around your body. It's designed to measure distance on your projects, but not like three-dimensional measurements. The other thing I want to mention that we don't stock in the store, but that I will link in the show notes, there's a designer, her name is Jen, and her shop is Porterness Studio, or Porterness Studios, I'm not sure, .com, we'll link it. She does really great jewelry. She has cool necklaces that you can hang stitch markers off of. She has like rings that are kind of stuck in it design. They're really nice and they're the kind of thing that like a knitter probably wouldn't necessarily buy for herself, but would be like a really sweet thing to receive. And then, of course, there are all of the sort of classic gifts, things like a needle set. I, I really love the Chowgu set, mostly because of the cable. For a long time, I think Jessica and I both resisted using metal needles just because wood is warmer. And the Chowgu set, it's not cheap. It's, you know, it's kind of an investment set. And so it's the kind of thing that maybe maybe your recipient wouldn't necessarily want to like take that leap for herself, but will maybe make her tear up a little bit when she unwraps it. Oh, definitely. I have the full range, I think the four inch Chowgu interchangeable set. So it's like sizes two through 15. And I have to say, I am eyeballing some of the mini sets too, just because I think I want a set with little two inch tips for knitting my sleeves or knitting socks or something. They're fancy. We should mention the cubic sets too. So if you have anyone in your life who's maybe a little bit older, or if you yourself are a little bit older, um, and have any kind of like hand stuff going on, uh, neuropathy or arthritis or anything where knitting you're finding, especially in the colder weather, it's just not as comfortable as it used to be. The cubic sets, they are kind of a limited size. I think they go from size like six to maybe 11. 11. Yeah, that sounds right. But they're they're cubed needles. So they have square sides and they're a whole lot easier to hold. And so that's the kind of thing that would be really sweet to do if you if you have a knitter in your life who is just finding herself not able to knit as much as she used to. That would be a really thoughtful gift. Oh, and then I have to talk about the StashBot guides. Okay, so probably the trickiest thing to do if you're trying to buy a gift for a knitter is to buy yarn. That seems like it would be really obvious on some level. Like, of course, you just want to buy yarn, but... It's really tough to know what your recipient is going to need to be able to actually make something. You don't necessarily want to, you know, maybe one precious skein that you can turn into a shawl or something like we were talking about last week. But if you want to like gift somebody like a sweater quantity, it's really tough to know what that actually would look like. But we just got these things into the store. It's a little pamphlet from um, StashBot. And it's like, I don't know, it's like six pages long or something. They also have an app which obviously we do not sell, but the app store does. And what it is, is yardage guides for different kinds of projects. So if you know roughly what size of a project that your recipient would be likely to make, and you know roughly what style, I'm just going to go with sweater. If you know that you know she likes to wear like a tunic length sweater or a cropped sweater, this will give you for different weights of yarn, yardage guides. So if you have somebody... 
I don't know, your sister who just loves the color purple and you would really love to find some gorgeous purple yarn for her to make herself a sweater out of, this thing will help you figure out how much purple yarn you need to gift to your sister in order to let that happen, which is pretty cool. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a handy guide. It is. Hey, Jessica, what's on your needles right now? Oh, Karen, I wish you weren't asking me this. (laughs) So I did not come today wearing either of the sweaters that I talked about last week. Neither of them have sleeves. One of them has half of one sleeve. The star-crossed, like I am knitting away on those size sixes. Don't know if it's the right needle still. (laughs) But I guess after I finish the sleeves and block it, I will know. It's an adventure. I mean, if you're doing it consistently across both sleeves, that makes it the right needles. Oh, yeah. I mean, once these sleeves exist, they're they're not going to not exist. I won't be taking them back out and doing it again. (laughs) If the fabric on your sleeves ends up being a different gauge than the fabric on your body, that's a design feature. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's, it's a design feature for me. (laughs) I happen to be wearing a flax light that has two different color sleeves, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) As an aside, it has two different colored sleeves because this is knit with a kind of rainbow sort of indie dyed yarn, and same colorway, same dye lot, very different effect on each sleeve. So that's all right. I roll with it. It's fine. I do have a new project on my needles, though, and I'm not going to talk about it because it's a gift knit. Yeah. You know what? I can't talk about it. My dad doesn't listen to this podcast. Who sure. am I kidding? <laughs> like, I would I would be sh- shocked if, A, my dad listened to any podcasts, and B, if he sat through one about knitting to find this tidbit of information. <laughs> He's, it's definitely not happening. So I put the sweaters on hold and was like, I'm going to do some gift knitting. And I am knitting a pair of the lambing mitts, which is a free pattern from Tolt, Tolt Yarn and Wool. And I'm using Shelter from Brooklyn Tweed in the Truffle Hunter colorway, which I really like to knit these mitts. And I think I, I got one finished last night. I was feeling a little bit paranoid about my yardage and I weighed my mitt and I weighed my leftover yarn and I have exactly half of a skein left to knit the second one. So I'm feeling pretty good. (laughs) I think I'm going to get these done. Karen, what's on your needles? Oh, I can't talk about any of it because I'm only doing gift knits right now and it is entirely possible that the recipient is listening to this. Oh yeah, I bet your recipient is totally listening to this. So (laughs) forget I asked. Never mind. Yeah. We'll talk about it at some future date. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna wildly talk about this project because, A, I've been working on it since, like, July or something. And it's been a minute. It's, oh, I thought I was being really on top of things in July. I was like, I'm going to start my holiday knitting now. And somehow it has just eaten my entire knitting life. Anyway, it's good, though. I'm, I'm excited about it being almost done. I'm like... You're very close to done. Yes, I am close. I'm not going to try to do percentages or anything. No, and I but can't. you're almost there. Yeah. Jessica. Karen. Are you ready? Oh, God. For a letter. Yay!
So we're going to do this a little bit differently this week. It took us all of three episodes to break our own format. It's fine. There's no podcast police, just like there's no knitting police. We are both going to answer this question because of the nature of the question. So we got an email from Leanne, who's local in town. Hi, Leanne. It was a really great email, and I probably will have emailed you back and addressed the rest of it by the time you hear this, but there's part of it I want to read, and it's going to be the question that we answer today. Dear Scratch, I noticed in the first episode that you used frogging. You also mentioned using a lifeline. My first thoughts were that folks who are new to knitting probably won't know what those terms mean. Will that be off-putting? Will listeners hear terms that they don't understand and feel discouraged or maybe more intrigued? Might it be a good idea to tag that kind of knitting talk, either for explanation then or with the proviso that it will be explained at another time? It's easy to use the lingo that is part of the territory, but isn't something that everyone will be familiar with. Leanne, that is a great point, and I'm so glad that you raised this issue for us. So I think Karen and I both have thoughts on this, and I am going to let her start, and then I'll respond too. But thank you, Leanne. Yeah, that is a really excellent point. And um, one of the things I'll say is that we are going to try to explain terms like that when they come up. Sometimes because of just the nature of recording a podcast, we are going to kind of blow right past it. You know, we're going to use the vocabulary of our craft in describing the craft, and that is just going to happen. But what I really want to talk about is asking about things like that when you don't know the answer and the sort of expectation that sometimes people have that they come into this already knowing everything. And it's perfectly fine if you were listening to this, if you don't know what frogging or lifelines are, and I don't mean specifically you, Leanne, but broader listenership as a whole. So very quickly to answer those two questions, frogging is when you rip something back. And the reason it's called frogging is because you rip it, rip it back, right? Like rib it, rib it. Knitters are funny. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to the other way of, of backtracking, which is tinking, where you knit backwards, where you're actually going kind of one stitch at a time. And then a lifeline, what that is, is usually either a piece of yarn or a piece of dental floss or something. I've seen people use embroidery thread that you put into your knitting at a certain point, like before you undertake like a lace panel or something. And that way, if you run into trouble, you can rip back and you have a complete row of live stitches that's being held by the lifeline. So it's it's a little bit of a security blanket because sometimes, you know, if you're trying to rip back, things can go a little awry and you end up having to rip back further than you want to. Okay. So those two specific things aside, I want to talk a little bit about the culture of yarn shops for a minute. Please do. (laughs) I think probably everyone here has gone into a yarn shop and felt something other than welcome. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And I mean, Jessica and I are both white women and there are sort of different levels of, I'm almost going to say different levels of severity around feeling unwelcome in a yarn shop. You know, I I know that some BIPOC individuals have had really problematic interactions in yarn shops. The racism is real. (laughs) There's, you know, the knitting community is made up of all sorts of different types of people. And a lot of these people in our community are fantastic. And also because we are such a representative wide swath of the world, like there are also racists and people who are transphobic and people who are kind of just generally nasty. So big societal, like systemic issues aside, like yarn culture at its core, 
some some knitters are not nice. Right. <laughs> right. Correct. Okay, so I'm going to tell a story from back back in the day when I was first getting into knitting something other than rectangles. There is a shop near somewhere I used to live, was a shop near somewhere I used to live, it has since closed, that was one of those grouchy shop owner shops. And I think probably everyone listening to this knows exactly what that experience is. You walk in somewhere, it's a little bit too quiet, and everyone who's in there looks at you like, why are you bothering me? Why are you in my store? Which whatever. As shop owners, I have big feelings about that. So I was trying to knit a gift for my former brother-in-law. I was making him a hat and I wanted to make it a really warm, squishy hat. We were going to be going skiing. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like he's never skied before. I'm going to make him the warmest hat that he's ever had. It's going to be a nice, like welcome to the family kind of gift. So I had the bright idea that I was going to hold the yarn double for this hat. I think it called for DK weight. And I was like, I'm going to hold two strands. And so as I was picking out the yarn, I had this plan and I I turned to the woman behind the counter who I happened to know was the owner of the store. And I asked her, can I hold two strands double or is that going to mess this up? And her answer to me was, well, gauge is gauge. Oh, great. Helpful, right? (laughs) Super helpful. I guess maybe technically true, but not instructive in any way that answered your question. Right. And I was not at that point in any kind of place to understand what those words, like she just said words at me, like tautology does not help us (laughs) (laughs) help me not mess up this hat. The hat totally got messed up, by the way. So I'm sharing that story because as somebody coming into a shop or as somebody asking a question of like, the fiber community as a whole, you deserve to be treated better than that. And of course, there's going to be vocabulary and there's going to be specifics and there's going to be techniques and terms and whatever that you are not maybe going to be familiar with, because I think we've said this a couple times already, nobody was born knowing how to do any of this. Everybody was unfamiliar with everything about this whole craft at some point. No one should ever look at you like you have three heads because you need to ask about a term like frogging or a term like lifeline. Yeah, I think you illustrated a lot of my feelings about this. And for me, the reason we own a yarn shop is because we love fiber people and we love knitting and we want everyone who wants to do this thing to be able to do it. Like we are, I think of us as like the helpers in this handcraft. Like it is our job to answer your questions. It is our job to meet your needs. And I think that Unfortunately, it's not uncommon to encounter spaces where that is not the kind of ethos behind what they do. You know, there are shops who are like, hey, person with a baby strap to your back, you are not really welcome in this space. I think your grubby little baby is going to put its little spitty (laughs) paws on my yarn and that's unacceptable. And right, nobody wants to pick up a wet skein of yarn off of a shelf. But also that yarn lived on a sheep. It's been wet before. Oh, for real. It's been wet before. (laughs) It's possibly had worse things than baby spit on it at some point of its existence in the world. And you know what? That's okay. It's washable. But I think that like knitters need to have access to information, whether it's learning from another person like one-on-one or turning to online fiber world and like looking for tutorials and videos or community groups or you're reading in books or whatever like your information is coming from somewhere and for us in our space like 
no question is a stupid question, right? Like you hear that all the time. You hear that as a kid in school, but like it's true. If you don't know what you don't know, and how will you ever learn if you don't have a community around you that is willing to share that information with you? So while on some level, like we are just kind of going to use language that is specific to the craft, if at any point we're talking about something and you hear us and you're like, what? What is that? Whether we're not being clear or it's just a term <laughs> that you've never heard of. Are like, you implying oh, <laughs> that there's I any mean, chance we could stumble over our words or <laughs> anything could happen here? I don't know. But like, you know, don't ever be afraid to reach out because even if it's not like a question that needs to be dear scratch read on the podcast, like we're definitely going to email you back and say, oh, that's what this is. Or here's a good resource to learn more about that. Like if you need the information, we are here for you. Just like your local yarn shop should be. Like your expectation should be that you have access to that from the professionals in your handcraft field. So we are here for you. I think that's my bottom line here. <laughs> And if you ever find yourself in a shop that has one of those cultures that feels like it's mainly around gatekeeping, either because of who you are or because they just, I don't know, when you ask them what they're working on, they say something like, someone else asked me that and I told her to leave, which happened to us not too long ago. Oh, it super did. (laughs) Like, (laughs) okay, burn it to the ground? Should I say that on the podcast? Oh, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. You shouldn't be treated like that. And guess what? Don't put up with it. (laughs) Like that shouldn't be your experience within the community. And I know it happens. Like I know it happens all the time. It's happened to me. It's happened to many of my knitting friends. It happens and it's garbage. It's unacceptable, (laughs) frankly. Yeah. So we're going to do our best to be aware of when we're using those kinds of terms and explain them live. And if we ever miss one or we say something that just doesn't feel like you understand, never hesitate to send us an email. We are happy to answer those questions either via email or if we feel like it's a broader community question, we will bring it to the podcast to answer. Awesome. Thanks, Leanne. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I think that might be it for this week. Get ready for your your holiday gift giving, whether that means you're casting on a project like right now or (laughs) trying to find a way to get something sent to your knitter loved one that is far away or kind of close to you but socially distant so you can't give it to them yourself. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe to our podcast and it will automatically show up in your phone. And tell your friends and also leave us a rating. Let people know it will help bring us up in the searches so other knitters can find us too. And don't forget, send us your letters. Send us your emails. Send us your thoughts to dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. And specifically, in addition to whatever you want to ask us, we want to hear from you. Do you have a sweater curse story? Do you have a story about a gift gone wrong? We want to know because we're doing a special holiday episode and we are reading your letters. So make sure you send them our way and we will share your story with the knitter world. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.